When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the House of L podcast. I don't ordinarily drop two episodes in one day. Usually that defeats the whole purpose, but there are two subjects that I wanted to talk about that I didn't want to put into one pod. I figured the people that wanted to hear me talk about teaching could Listen to me talk about teaching. And the people that wanted the red meat, as I talk about the White Sox, would then get their red meat. The House of L podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Aurelio's Pizza. It's the sauce. I had an Aurelio's Pizza last night, if you were listening tonight. If you were listening to... The earlier podcast, I discussed that I was going to get a little. That's what I did. I got a little. It was perfect. It's all I needed. And now I'm good to go. I'm fueled up and ready to talk to you about the White Sox. So if you're thinking about pizza of any kind, you should be thinking about Aurelio's. Go get yourself a, a big old pie. Check out their desserts. The desserts are baller. But maybe you're just in the mood for a good pizza. And they've got that for you. Aureliospizza.com. It's the sauce. Let's talk about your favorite baseball team, the White Sox. Let's go back to Friday night. Let's go, let's go back to Friday night where things were looking amazing for the White Sox. They had had this long, drawn-out battle with a team that's dumber than they are, the Rangers. And the White Sox do their job. They have a five-run eighth inning, close it out with Liam Hendricks in the ninth, and then you're good to go. And you're sitting there thinking on Saturday when the White Sox jump out to a 5 nothing lead. You're saying Lucas Giolito's on the mound. They have a five-run lead. This is going to be a sweep. This is exactly what the White Sox needed. After the series with the Dodgers went sideways, after everyone was sitting there going, what's Tony La Russa doing? The whole country wondering what Tony La Russa is doing. I will get to that before this podcast is over. But Saturday, as Lucas is on the mound, you're going, they are set up now to sweep. Sweep. This series against this team that's dumber than they are. Well, then things went sideways. It's the second time that the White Sox have staked Lucas Giolito to a lead. And then he comes right back and gave the runs back. 
seeing the way that that game played out and seeing how once that door was opened for Texas to fight its way back, like once that door opened up, you just knew that it was going to make for a really rough afternoon of watching. And that four runs in the fifth inning just set off a cascade of negative events for the White Sox. You know, I I look at, at the Rangers and I go, well, there's a collection of talented players. They've got some guys that I'd be like, oh, all right. I like Lowe a lot. Obviously, like Marcus Simeon is someone that people were thinking maybe he'll come back home as a free agent. I was not one of those people because I knew that they weren't going to pay him. You look at Corey Seager, that's a good player. And that Duran guy is interesting. Garcia out in center field, interesting player. But they played dumb baseball. And it was like all weekend long, it was a, it was which one of these teams is going to do the silliest thing and end up losing the series. And I'll, I'll be damned. It was the White Sox that were the ones that would do all the silly stuff. I mean, they weren't alone. But theirs was a little bit more egregious, including the way that Sunday's game ended. Just, like, really bad baseball. Silly baseball. A lot of White Sox fans over the last couple of weeks, like, when we got to the 40-game mark, and I was saying, all right, well, you know, we're a quarter through, and this doesn't look great. There were people who were going that were saying, well, it's still early. Even the White Sox, like even the White Sox have been like it's still early. And I do understand that. I understand the idea of you don't want to necessarily panic, but I I don't see it as panic. And now we're closing in on 60 games, which is usually when even folks that are in baseball We'll go, ooh, the way that it's been explained to me from the time I started really covering baseball, you got 60 games to figure out who you are. You got 60 games to fix it and get what you need. And then you let the 42 games after that play out after you've made your corrections. Well, we're closing in on 60. And the White Sox sit four games under 500, six games back. In a division that's not very good, I am starting to wonder if if you're betting, if that Cleveland, I think they're plus 800 to win the Central. If that's not a, a fun bet to take for a ride for a little while. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. The White Sox are 4 and 6. But I look at it as you were expecting to lose the series against the Dodgers and you did it in spectacular fashion. 
you were not expecting to lose the series against the Rangers because the Rangers, like the idea is you and the Rangers are about equal. Therefore, the White Sox talent, especially in the rotation, should bear out and they should win that series. Well, they didn't. They threw the ball around the yard. They made mistakes on the bases. They didn't come up with enough timely hits. And they end up losing to a team that's basically in the same spot they're in out west. These two teams are really mirror images of each other. And that's the thing that's so scary. When I look at the White Sox, I should be looking at I should be looking at teams that, like maybe the Angels, although the White Sox don't have that type of top-heavy talent. But it should be, well, here's a team that's completely underachieved. And you expect that the Angels are going to snap out of it, although it might already be too late, considering how well Houston is playing. I don't look at the Rangers as a, a franchise that's been lost for a decade I don't look at them and say yeah that's something that the the White Sox should aspire to that they should be matched up with no the White Sox on paper are better than the Rangers so why are they the same as the Rangers why when they match up against the Rangers do we see a lot of the things that we don't like about the White Sox Except, I would say that the Rangers were better managed this weekend. With playing matchups, you know, before counts start, stuff like that. It's dark right now for the White Sox. It's really dark really dark. And then you add in the injury aspect of it. Let me go back to earlier this morning. This morning, I haven't really been on Twitter. I haven't been feeling great. So I haven't really been on Twitter. This morning I got on Twitter and I was thinking about what I heard Rick Hahn talking about on Tuesday, before they they started the series, Rick usually talks before, after they come off a road trip at the beginning of a new series. And he was talking in, in a very optimistic way. He was talking about when we were going to see the White Sox whole again when we were going to see his team that he had put together be healthy. And they're optimistic because Lance Lynn will be coming back this week and they're going to send T.A. out on a rehab assignment. Meanwhile, Eloy has had to shut it down on his assignment with continued leg soreness. My issue with Rick is not that he's being optimistic. He's the general manager of the team. He's got to find something. But in his optimism, 
there's a projection of a reality that doesn't that so far through 2022 isn't believable. Here's what I mean. He keeps looking at the White Sox as this this broken egg that at some point will be put back together. I don't think that you can do that with this White Sox team. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who to blame. Like, I want to blame somebody, but there isn't anyone to blame for the health issues of the White Sox. They've been bit by this thing, and it follows them around like a dark cloud. And even on the week where Rick was being optimistic about we're going to get our guys back, and once we get our guys back, everything's going to be fine. And, of course, then what happens? Aaron Bummer goes on IL, and Yasmani Grandal faces off against the White Sox's biggest nemesis this year, first base, running to first base. And then on Sunday, you have Michael Kopech get hurt. Kopech's been doing this thing over his last few starts where he's not like how the mound is set up. He hasn't been able to land the way that he wants. And now it looked like an ankle, but it turns out it was a knee. The White Sox got an MRI on Kopech and apparently got him back to the ballpark. The knee is supposedly fine, except for the fluid that's on it. Kopech was pretty honest about that after the game, that he's still in pain, that there's still some fluid. Look, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on podcasts. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I play one on podcasts. But if you're removing fluid from an E, I've I would bet that you're going to have to do it more than once. If you had a player that couldn't put weight on his knee, they're optimistic that he'll make his next start next Sunday. God bless, I hope that you're right. But again, they keep looking for a future that they think is owed to them, that they that the health of this team is owed to them, and it'll it'll be fine. Everyone will end up being healthy, and that just you're not entitled to any of it. And that's what it's felt like with the White Sox this year, is that they're they're a franchise that felt very entitled. I hate to uh, to invoke this name. But their approach this season has been very Mike Glennon-like. It's my time. It's my season. That's what the White Sox are like. And so they're perplexed when things don't go their way. Even though a lot of signs have been pointing to things not going their way for the last two seasons. There are things that are fundamentally wrong with the White Sox. When they talk about injuries being a big deal 
they're right. Like, we shouldn't, there's two things at work here. We shouldn't ignore the fact that the White Sox have injuries. It's not like they're making them up. But the problem is, is something that I pointed out, Layla pointed out, Dan talked about it, Goff on his podcast talked about it. They didn't do the necessary work. This is where you can lay it at Rick's feet. They didn't do the necessary work to bolster their roster. When we cried out, yeah, you're probably a pitcher short in your rotation, they said, no, we're not, because we're going to be healthy. Okay. When we cried out, you need an everyday second baseman. You got rid of Hernandez. Okay. That was an experiment that didn't work. But you need someone to play there every day. No, we don't. We went and got Josh Harrison. Well, Josh Harrison's a nice 26 man at this point in his career. You've already got at least one other 26th man. And his name is Leori Garcia. So if you're adding someone else to your roster that makes a 26-man, that means that it's not a good move. When we said you need an everyday right fielder, they threw their hands up and said, well, we've got Leori Garcia. He can go out there and play right field for us. Okay. That's cool. And they ended up with Andrew Vaughn. And Vaughn's been great. But you end up losing Eloy, and now what ends up happening? You're playing guys like Adam Engel more than you want. You make the trade for A.J. Pollock, which I I endorsed because for some reason they couldn't make it work in the back of their bullpen, which is bizarre. Sidebar, let me do a quick defense of Rick Hahn, by the way. If we go back to last year and the Kimbrel trade, I thought that the trade made a lot of sense, and I thought that the White Sox could make it work. I also think that the person who you lay that on is not Rick. It's Tony, and here's why. Rick's not going to, at this point, understanding what the real power structure of the White Sox is, Rick is not going to force a player on Tony LaRusso. He's going to say, this is what we're thinking. We really want to lock down the end of games, and Kimbrel's out there, and we don't have to give up a ton to get him. Can you make it work? And I'm sure since Tony LaRusso invented bullpenning, he was like, oh, yeah, I can totally make it work. And then it didn't work. It didn't work because Kimbrell is a is a creature of habit. He wants to be the ninth inning guy, and he's got a mental block about not being the ninth inning guy. 
I'm not saying this to try to slander a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. It just sucks that that's the way that it is. Liam, on the other hand, doesn't strike me as being so selfish that if given the opportunity, he would he would be like, no, I have to be the ninth inning guy because you paid me all this money. Now, maybe he is, but again, you brought in Tony LaRusa to be able to manage situations like this. So I can't I can't blame Rick on that. Where you can blame Rick is the way that he looks at building bullpens. He likes to he likes for them to look real strong at the beginning of seasons. I'm not sure from year to year that you can build a great bullpen through free agency and then have it be what you want it to be from the time your team breaks camp to your team winning the World Series. I'd have to do a deeper dive. Admittedly, I'd have to do a deeper dive. I just think that there's so many variables when you say, when you're building the team, it's like, okay, well, now we've got our situational lefty. Now we've got our power power armed right-hander that is isn't going to pitch the ninth, but is going to help set up what happens in the eighth inning. I think that all of that stuff is cool. But too often the White Sox present it as this is the strength of our team. And if the bullpen is the strength of your team, that means that there are factors that are not within your control. Bullpens from year to year are living, breathing things. You were counting on Aaron Bummer. You can't count on Aaron Bummer for him either being injured or not good. And you can't count on Joe Kelly because Joe Kelly's injured. And when he wasn't injured, he was having command issues. And now at some point, he's going to be back. Great. you still got to get games to that point, and you have to have a manager who's willing to use the bullpen. And even now, even now, to go back to the health part of it, you now have a, a manager that's telling you, I, some of these guys I can't even pitch. They're literally going into games short arms. And, and you lose Kopech, and then you have to work the entire bullpen. I want to talk about Tony La Russa. We will do that momentarily. So the heat is now starting to turn up, turn up a little bit on Tony La Russa. I think that that's good. I think that what happened in the Dodgers game and the reaction to what happened in the Dodgers game on Thursday is good for the White Sox because things that are said about Tony La Russa locally are easily ignored as haters and noise from the White Sox as an organization. 
it's tuned out. It's organizationally, there are a lot of people in the organization that think that people are out to get the White Sox. It's just the way that it is. It's just the way that they're, it's the way that they're wired. So when the folks that are around the team the most, that care about the team the most, tell them that their baby is ugly, it's just because we don't have a baby. That's, that's what it is. Why I think what happened on Thursday was good was because it forces them to go, oh, it isn't just the angry talk show host or the bitter columnist in Chicago. It's their own broadcast. And beyond their own broadcast, it's the Dodgers broadcast. I like that it happened specifically against the Dodgers. You know why? Because I know that Jerry Reinsdorf was watching those games. Dodgers are the team that he grew up loving. It's There's a reason that we, we share a, a facility with them in Arizona. That's his team. That's his organization. So I know that he was watching because he probably wanted to see the White Sox match up against all that great talent that the Dodgers have. It's probably going, hey, this is a turnaround point. And he got to watch as his manager embarrassed himself with an unprecedented move. I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm sure I am. There's no reason why they should have walked anyone on a one and two count with two out. There's no, everything that you're thinking about, the human factor of it, the statistical evidence that was, for a guy that was a lawyer, like, Tony did not make a great case for himself after the game. His facts were wrong. And here's something that he does that I've noticed. He never wants to take... He never wants to take the opinion of someone else that disagrees with him into account. And what I mean by that is... It's all well and good to stick to your guns. It's all well and good to be like, you know what? I believe I was right. Ideally, you take input from other people, and maybe you see their point of view, and you go, you know what? You might be right on this one. I didn't, I didn't have everything I needed to make a good decision, and now I see it from your perspective. He gives lip service to that. It's a very it's a very slick like political thing that he does and he did it during his press conference. The idea of that's baseball's great. That's what baseball's all about is people having a differing opinion. But at the end of it, I was right and I'm not changing my mind. He's going to do this. He's never going to admit to getting it wrong. 
when it comes to big stuff, he's never going to admit that. He's going to say that it's okay to be questioned, but he got it right. So I'm glad that there was that there was an outcry from baseball. Like there was an outcry from everyone in baseball going, what was that? And it was happening in real time. And then it carried over. It carried over into Saturday where you heard the fans at 35th and Shield say, fire Tony, chanting it. And the broadcast crew laying out, I imagine because they wanted to hear clearly what was being said, but giving you 15 seconds of fire Tony. It's probably unfair to say that everything that's happened badly to the White Sox is the penance that the White Sox have to pay for hiring Tony La Russa. But I understand any White Sox fan who feels that way. I, if, if he quit tomorrow, because I feel like that's the only way that this thing is done, if he quits tomorrow, even if the White Sox were to go on and lose and not win this division, it, it would just feel more fun and more relevant. And they'd have a... They legit would have a better chance to win if he wasn't managing the team. I argued for a long time, me, Chris Ranji, Herb Lawrence, Dan, about how much managers matter, what the value is of having a manager. If you have a, a manager that's just okay, They're, they're going to cost you a game or two. But if you have someone, like you look at the games that the White Sox have lost this year. Like we're already at, we're at 58 games as I record this. Think about how many games you and your heart feel like Tony La Russa has lost them already. If an average manager loses the White Sox between two and five games, and five is probably high, how many has Tony La Russa lost this year? Think about that. Then start looking at how far back the White Sox are in the standings. And I know that a big chunk of this is on the players, and I don't want to absolve them of them not playing to their capabilities. And like Lucas... 
you can't have that. He's got to be the guy that steps forward. He's he's the only guy with a track record. Until Lynn comes back, he's the only one with a track record. I'm not even sure that I trust the cease thing. I find myself getting angry at his mustache for no reason. I mean, it's a bad mustache. He thinks it's cool. That that makes me angry, and it shouldn't, because it's just facial hair, and I need to stop tripping. But whenever he's bad, I'll be screaming at the TV, shave the mustache! Anyway, this is just some of the stuff that's been going on inside my head. And I imagine going through yours as you saw what happened on Saturday and Sunday. You saw disastrous bullpen defense, extra inning baseball from two really bad teams. And that's where the White Sox are right now. It's hard to call them anything other than that. You can't just you you can't just say, oh, you know, they're a good team that's playing badly. I. At this point, they've given you more evidence that they're a bad team than than they're a good team. And now they've got to cobble together a rotation. They're going to push Lance Lynn up. And they expect Lance Lynn to go out there on Monday and and just eat. No pun intended. Shout out to Haas. I love Lance Lynn. But that's what they expect. They expect that he's going to go out there against the Tigers after having been gone for two and a half months and just shut him down. Now, I get it. Tigers are trash. They've been a trash team this year. But that's asking a lot. Hey, Lance, can you... We know that we were going to start you on Tuesday... How about we activate and start you on Monday in a game where we now kind of feel like we need to win? Because we've burned Cueto off of his start, and Kopech's not scheduled to start until next Sunday if there's no problem with his knee after we take the fluid out of it. So can you do us a solid and come out here and dominate Detroit? Thanks. Love ya. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? <sighs> Did I mention that Aurelio's pizza is really great? It is. You need to get you some. Aurelio'spizza.com. They're hiring. I saw it when I went to go pick up my pizza. They're hiring. Tell them that you heard about them on this podcast. Be like, Joe, I see you on the White Sox games, but I also hear you on the House of L podcast. I'm so happy they're a sponsor. They're my favorite pizza. And my favorite baseball team is driving me insane. I was in the house. Watching all this stuff this past week, I probably watched too many innings of White Sox baseball. I needed to go outside, and I didn't. 
because I was watching White Sox baseball. And the biggest problem, the biggest problem, is that we're going to look at Detroit the same way that we were looking at Texas. Oh, well, they're not any good, so the White Sox will be just fine. There are no more games that you can do that. Like, no more teams you can do that. Even the Cubs played them them tough. I don't know. I, you know what? I'll talk to you later on this week. We'll see. Thanks for your support of the Sports Adjacent Podcast as well. If you haven't listened to the latest episode, it's really funny. If you want to hear about my adventures as a teacher this past quarter... There's a podcast right before this one that will share all of that. I think it's important that you listen to because I do offer some advice for the students. And shout out to all of the students, every single one of them. <sighs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. I will talk to you next time. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.